What's up, everybody? You are listening to OT Takes, Overtime Takes, whatever you want to call it, live on KSWH LP 102.5 FM LP The Pulse here in Arkadelphia. I'm your host, Jonathan Smith. Today I've got a very special guest named Colt Booth. What's up, man? I'm back. It's good to be back, man. It is. This is fun. So last semester I had a radio show here, and Colt was on like every single one just about. And we had a great time. He had a great time because this is back when I wasn't as smart as I am now, and he was he was very smart. So Yeah, nothing is going to change. You're still going to get smacked. <laughs> okay, we'll see. We'll see. So uh, I have to eat crow here to start because I was very big, very adamant on the Clippers winning it all, and uh, they lost game seven last night, which really sucks. So um, go ahead, Colt. Go ahead and gloat. <laughs> so here, here's, here's the thing about the, the Clippers, and, and John and I have – had a lot of conversations uh, about basketball and we've watched a lot of games together since the playoffs have started and i recognize that the clippers were the best team if you i mean if you look on paper and even when they played when they were playing well like they were dominant they could turn up defensive defensively in a way that i don't really think any other team can my problem with the clippers and the reason that i was hoping that the nuggets would win is i saw an attitude problem that was a big issue with them where throughout the season they carried themselves like a team that had won three titles already. And you saw that in the way that they um, would like rest guys and, and come back and, and not just resting guys, like that's okay, you want to protect guys. But when they came back and, and there was questions about, hey, y'all haven't spent a lot of time playing together, y'all haven't gotten this worked out, all their answers were, uh, oh, you know, we'll figure it out. Like We got the guys, like it's no big deal, it's no problem. And, and they just had this attitude of like, hey, we'll be able to flip the switch when we need to flip the switch. That's something that we've seen the Warriors be able to do in years past. That's something that I think we even saw the Cavs do with LeBron to some extent. But that doesn't come your first season. That comes after you've won the title, after you've been there, uh, and then you know, hey, we have this extra gear and we need it. The problem was I don't think the Clippers ever really accessed that extra gear that they thought they had. And they kept acting like, oh, we're just going to flip the switch and we're going to be fine. And so you saw that in the Mavs series where the Mavs, I mean, Luka had a great – series and and they won you know a game but there were some games that that the Mavs won that they shouldn't have won that I think the Clippers ought to give away from them and so I saw that in the playoffs I was like man that that's kind of worrying that that this happened uh and then when they go up to I mean I'm gonna be honest I didn't think they were gonna Nuggets were gonna win like the Clippers yeah. should have won that series they should have but like it perfectly support, supports your point right like you know game six they're up 16 they kind of shut it down early they end up getting beat by 20 and then you end up playing a game seven and Kawhi and PG didn't flipped the switch, and they played terribly. You know, they had 24 points on, on 10 of 38 shooting, which is horrendous. And, you know, if you play hard games, you know, four, five, six, and four, five, and six, you probably win one of those. And then, you know, you, you call the series, but they well, didn't. And, and what surprises me is, and, and I remember, you know, we've told you this, Kawhi didn't bother me because Kawhi has been there. He's won two. He, he's done it in two different places. Like, if he wants to rest and say, you know what, I can flip the switch – do it. I trust you. You have it. You've been there. You've shown us that you have it. And so him not showing up in game seven in a real way. And look, I get it. Some nights you just can't, you just don't have your shot. But for that guy to not have a shot, I mean, he didn't have a shot in game seven when he played Philly and he still figured out a way to do it. And he said, if I have to take 38 shots to win this game, I'm going to do it if that's how we're going to win. And that, that wasn't the guy that played last night. And that's shocking. Yeah, and well, the thing is, too, like, he'd shown up in every other game. Like, he's one of the guys that I feel like he did play hard every night and he defended every night. 
and then he just had you know a bad game, which happens from time to time. But he had a couple bad games against the Nuggets, so maybe it's the way that the Nuggets were defending him. Maybe we're not giving Mike Malone enough credit because he did a really good job making adjustments. Doc Rivers did did not do a good job of making adjustments. You know they're, they're doubling Jokic all night last night, and why would you double team a guy that's seven foot who's probably the best passer on the court, right? And he just Jokic just picked picked him apart. And coming into the series, I figured Jokic would have a big series just because. Clippers don't have a lot of size, and Jokic is, you know, the best offensive center in the league. Maybe that's what I think he is because I think Anthony Davis is more of a power forward. But you know, he just he picked them apart. You know, he had a monster triple double last night with twenty two rebounds, thirteen assists, and sixteen points. And then Murray had forty, which I didn't think Murray would have a good series. I just didn't buy into the Murray thing. I was like, they played the Jazz. Jazz don't really play defense. And then you know, you look up and he gives. The Clippers, you know, who I, you know, you said it, probably the best defensive team left. He gave them 40 and played really well. Well, he, he was due as well. Like, when you look at the way he plays and, and you know, we when we were watching the game, we noted that, hey, you know, I, I've been really impressed with him throughout this playoff run because last year, when you look at that San Antonio series, he had games where he would go off, you know, for, for 40, and then he'd have games where he'd have eight, you know, in short shoot terribly. And I felt like this year – he got out of that somewhat. He was more consistent. But he still has that, that aspect of his game where there's going to be games where he just goes crazy. And, and we saw that in the first series where he had two 50-point games. And as this series went on, he had played well you know, for most of the series, but he hadn't had that big game yet. And so you knew it was coming, and it happened to come at the perfect time, right, when they needed it in order to, in order to be able to get that win. Yeah, it did. He's, he's really good. You know, I'm, I'm in now. You know, but then again... You know, I'm, I'm kind of like uh, Brasillo in that fact that I'm never – I try not to go in too early because, you know, you buy into the hype too early and then you just kind of look stupid. But then again, you, you come in kind of late. Yeah, and, and you know. that's – you know, I'd rather come in late, especially with this team, because, like, look, obviously, respect to Denver, Jokic and Murray are great. I feel like this was way more about the deficiencies of the Clippers and I agree. able to close a series than it is about – you know the the Nuggets be able to win one, and I think when you go against the guy that you're going against in the next round, uh, he doesn't he doesn't not close games, and he doesn't you know miss on closing series. Uh, and so if they don't come out hard and and come out you know quick in the first couple of games, if you get down to them you know two zero or three one, like it's it's a wrap. Totally agree. Game one's going to be interesting just because I don't think either team has won a game one. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they haven't. They haven't. I don't, these teams really played well in a game one either. So we'll see. It, it'll probably be the Lakers to win game one just because the Nuggets are going to be so tired from playing back every other day for the past two or three weeks. Yeah, they have to be exhausted. I mean, this has been what every other day for four weeks with something with, like with that. Two game yeah. sevens, right? Like you have to just be exhausted, and especially when you look at the minutes that these guys were playing. When you're down 3-1, you have to be playing high minutes. I mean, Murray had 45 minutes last night. Jokic had 40. Like, those guys are going to be tired game one. And I think one thing that's going to be important to note is that if the Nuggets look bad in game one, don't just write them off. Because that's what happened in the Clippers series where they were yep. tired coming off of a game seven. And, and that the energy that that takes physically and mentally to then come back and get ready for another series, you know, even if it is the Western Conference Finals, they can look bad in game one and and it be okay and still be a series. Yeah, and I think I think it will be a series just because, you know, I've gained a lot of respect for the Nuggets and, you know, we were talking before the show started, you know, Jokic and Murray are 
really good. I think they're good enough to kind of wash with Davis and LeBron in terms of scoring and just how well they play. And so I think, you know, it comes down to the other guys. And, you know, I've got more faith in Michael Porter Jr. than I do in Kuzma or Danny Green or just guys in general for them. And, you know, Jeremy Grant is a great player, too, for the Nuggets. He's really impressed me this playoff series. He's been really good for them. So I just – I think it's going to be a good series. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be a good series. My, I, I think I'm going to disagree with you on it being a wash between Murray and Jokic and LeBron and AD. Um, just because when you look at and, – and you can always use the resume argument until you can't, right? Like, they haven't done it. Now, it doesn't mean they can't do it because this could be the series where they do it at the high level in the Western Conference Finals, right? But uh, I, I just think that – what LeBron, the ceiling of LeBron and AD is much higher than the ceiling of Murray and Jokic. I agree. And yeah. if they can approach that even, then I think they're going to be able to kind of, you know, have a big enough edge where the role guys, you know, aren't as important. Also, I trust Michael Porter Jr. on the offensive end, but if he's guarding Kuzma, Kuzma might have 30 again. <laughs> like, that's honestly, that's how bad he is defensively. He's pretty and, bad. And I worry that they're just not going to be able to have him out there because of what a sieve he is defensively no matter what he gives you offensively and so like yes can he score and, and can he fill up the the stat sheet for denver on the offensive end of course i just don't know if you're going to be able to play him in order for him to do that yeah that's true with his size you could put him on because he's what six nine six ten he's yeah. a pretty tall dude javel mcgee you can hide him on him just because and just be like hey man just don't let it just don't let mcgee get an offensive rebound <laughs> that's about all mcgee has offensively well, well, and, and what I'd say is I think that playing Houston might have been really good for the Lakers because they were forced to take their bigs off the floor, and that's where they're best. Like, if you put AD at center, that's where you're going to get the most out of him and most out of that team. Hopefully they learn that um, and they play that way. If they don't and they have McGee and, and Howard out there, then, yeah, you might be able to hide you know, uh, Michael Bordunier a little bit, but – I don't know if they're going to learn that lesson. They might try to come out with their bigs and just say, hey, we're the Lakers. This is how we're going to play. But if they come out with 80 at the five and, and play most of their time there, uh, it's going to be tough. For yeah, Denver. I agree. So who are you picking? Uh, I'm going to go <laughs> – I want to say Lakers in six, but, I mean, I don't know the Nuggets know that series only goes six games. Like, I think <laughs> they think, like, every game has to go seven, seven games. But uh, I'm going to say Lakers in six. I think when you look at just how tired they must be, um, mentally, physically, uh, they're definitely going to win a few games, but I just don't. I, I just, I'm going to say I can't see a path to the Nuggets winning, and I know the counter is going to be well, we didn't see them a path in the Clippers series either, but I, I did with the attitude that the Clippers had, and I knew that was going to come back and bite them, and I don't see that being an issue for the Lakers. Yeah, so I'm going to disagree with you simply because I climbed up on this hill a while ago saying that the Lakers will not win. The NBA title this year, and I'm going to die on this hill. So give me the Nuggets in seven, because like you said, the Nuggets only know how to play seven games. And I think Mike Malone's a very underrated coach. He'll make adjustments, and those guys, those guys are bought in as well. You know, Murray's a he's a dog through and through. So I I think he's going to have a pretty big series because I just you know Caruso's a good defender, Rondo's a good defender, but Jamal Murray's just really good, and I think he's going to have a big series. I'm interested to see how Jokic does because I'm assuming they're going to put Anthony Davis on him for some stretches and things like that. And we'll kind of see how he plays. But Jokic is better than Murray. You know, like he's going to do his thing. And so, I mean, 
I, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna take the Nuggets just because I like their supporting cast more than the Lakers supporting cast and Frank Vogel's a good coach. I don't think he's great. I think he's just kind of there because that's who LeBron wanted. But yeah, give me the Nuggets in seven because I'm too stubborn to change my mind on the Lakers. <laughs> hey, you can you can die on that hill because I think that's probably what's going to happen for you. Probably I, is what's going to happen. But I'll, I'll, you're going to have to have me back so I can gloat again on you being wrong. Sounds good. We can do that. So now the question for the Clippers is where do they go from here? You know, Kawhi Leonard, PG, f- final year of their contracts. Where, where do you go from here? Hmm. Yeah, this is going to be a, a question that you know we're going to talk about all off season. I think when you look at the pieces, the the question I have is is Doc the the coach for this team, and you know it's a three one lead. There's only been I think thirteen three one comebacks in NBA history. Doc Rivers has coached three of them. That's <laughs> bad. That's not what you want from a coach. And so I think a lot of this attitude problem and and them kind of being complacent and up in games. If that's happened to you three times, I think that's something about the way that you coach that might be an issue. Um, and so that's the the link. Because I think from a from a roster standpoint, we all thought that they had the best roster in the league. Top they do. I don't think you can really question it. Like, they do have the best roster. They do. And you're going to have to make some minor changes. Like, Lou Will's getting older. Um, I th- You know, he, he played really poorly. And, I, you know, he missed some time. And, you know, a bunch of their guys missed some time in the bubble. And so that, that definitely could factor into it. But I, I think when you look at this team and in, and I would be okay if they decide to keep doc because the way I viewed the failure of this team was an attitude issue. It was a mentality issue of, Hey, we think we've won something. We're going to be set. We're the best team. Well, they know they're not now. Like yep. they, they got the biggest wake up call they could possibly get of having a three, one lead and losing that to nuggets. And so I think that the biggest issue that I saw with this team Better be fixed, and if it's not fixed, then I just don't. No amount of personnel changes are gonna are gonna fix that. If that's the attitude of, of those star guys, if they come into next year still thinking like, oh, we're gonna be fine, we no, you're not. And so, I wouldn't really change anything because if you get rid of Doc, like it's great to say you get rid of him, but who do you replace him with? And you know, I, I think we're gonna throw out some potential candidates here in a second, but I just don't know if there's anybody that is like, yeah, this guy. I trust in the postseason. I trust to figure out these close games more than I trust Doc Rivers. And so I think if you just fix the attitude, then you then you fix the issue, which I think this series will do for them. Yeah, and speaking of coaches, Mike D'Antoni's available, and that's who I'd go get. I think he's he's a, offensively he's a great coach, and they've already got enough wing defenders. And you know, we were talking about it last night. You know, you made the point Houston was really good defensively in the playoffs. And I think that, you know, when you look at how they struggled offensively, I think he's he's probably the answer that I would go to. What do you kind of think about D'Antoni? Billy Donovan's on the market. I think I like Doc Rivers more than Donovan just because Doc Rivers has coached the team to a, a national championship. But I think those are really kind of the two main guys, unless you thought of somebody else. No, I mean, those are the guys. Uh, you have some guys like Kenny Atkinson, who was with Brooklyn last year, but, you know, he could be the team to get this team to a title, but his track record so far is getting the most out of young pieces and kind of being a development guy, which is I don't you know I don't know if that's what you want. And with the Clippers, with D'Antoni, I think that also I think one of the problems offensively that the Clippers have is they have a lot of guys that are ball stoppers where the ball gets in their hands, they're going to dribble a couple times before they make up their mind, and so. When you look at Lou Williams, 
he's a ball stopper. When you look at um, Morris, he's a ball stopper. Like there's a lot of guys that the ball doesn't move super well, which to be fair is, is what Houston has done with D'Antoni, right? It's, hey, clear out, we're going to have Harden, uh, and he's going to just sit there and dribble and figure something out. And so, you know, maybe that style works. I think that what we've seen in these last couple of playoffs is that style runs into some ceiling issues. And when, when the defenses get tightened up, when the foul calls get a little bit harder and you can't draw the fouls that you're used to, to, to draw. And so I don't know if that's the way the Clippers want to play basketball or not with the guys that they have. I agree. I don't think that's the style that they'd run. I think part of the reason why they run that style is just because he's with the Rockets and they want to shoot a bunch of threes. Very true. You know, and when he was in Phoenix, you know, and he took, and he was with Steve Nash and Mark Studemeyer, you know, he took them to a, a, an, an NBA Finals. And they didn't play that kind of style. It was a lot of p- pick and roll and things like that. So he's one of the best offensive minds we've had in a, maybe ever. And so I, I'm more than confident to think that he'll figure out a system for that team that'll work. And. So Dan's Honey's definitely a solution, but I've I've got another one. I think they need to trade Lou Will. That's what I would do. Sure, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm gonna agree with you on that. Who? What are you hoping to get back? In so a, in I a think Lou they Will need trade? a. I think they need a little more size. I think that's something that that they can. They've got Zubak, and like that's it, right? So maybe and so there's a couple teams that came to mind that they could trade to. I just don't know what they get back in terms of size, right? So I think I think Dallas wouldn't mind having a guy like Lou Will to come off the bench. Boston needs a guy like Lou Will to come off the bench because they don't have any bench scoring. And then there's this team in Golden State who's looking to trade the number two overall pick. Maybe you trade Lou Will. You have like a three-team deal. You go after the second pick and and you draft Wiseman. You are not getting hey the number two pick hey but, for his forty-seven-year-old Lou Williams. <laughs> There's not a chance. You could package some he stuff together. Twenty percent from three <laughs> in the bubble, dude. Just saying, I think that they need to make a play for it because I, I do think that they need a little more size. I think that's something that where they struggle with Jokic. If they'd played the Lakers, that's the place that they really would have struggled with, just not having enough size. Because you got Zubak who's seven foot, and then you got Montrezl Harrell playing center after that at six foot seven, right? And in the West, where you've got guys like Gobert and. Jokic and Anthony Davis and these teams that you're going to have to get through, I think having a little bit more size would help. And look, if you look at their bench, they got a lot of guys who can score. They don't have anybody who can play defense. And I think getting a guy who can protect the rim would be really good for them. Yeah, I mean, I I would agree with you that getting rid of Lou Williams is is a good decision for the team. That being said, I just don't I don't think the return is going to be nearly as high as you're expecting it to be for yeah. a guy that's as old as he is. They just need someone who can protect the rim. I think that's kind of their big thing right now. Because, like, I like Zubak. I mean, he's an okay defender. I think they need someone who can pr- protect the rim. I think that's kind of their – if they have any needs, that is definitely one that needs to be addressed. Yeah, and, and I'm sure you could get that. Well, I don't know. I mean, those guys are, are kind of cheap bigs that can – protect the rim that's you know maybe not the easiest thing to come by but you know i'm sure they could find somebody and but even that right like that's a very small tweak to the roster that i do think would be a good tweak but ultimately like i don't think that's going to be the thing to get them over the edge i agree from a second round team to to a you know champion that they want to be um that has to come from some changes with how paul george plays in the playoffs and oh yeah he was bad the type of the which Kawhi is going to show up you know, in those important games in a game seven. So, yeah. 
ultimately, that's what's going to be, you know, we, we can talk about roster chef and coaching, and, and that is important, and that will help the team. But if those two guys don't play well, then they don't have a shot. Not a chance if, if they don't show up in game sevens. Yeah. Which I hate that we're saying that about Kawhi, but, you know, we, we got to be fair because if it was LeBron who did that, we'd be all over him, right? So totally agree. Uh, Kawhi has to play better in game seven, even though he played really well. No, he didn't play great this series. He had some bad games. And. Yeah, but the other thing about Lou Will is like they're probably not going to resign him because he's older, and you can you can send him somewhere like to a team that doesn't know what they're doing. You know, you can, you can send him to to the Knicks who have thirty seven power forwards sure. on their roster, and get some good stuff back. They're not going to resign him just because I'm assuming they're going to try and extend Kawhi and Paul George, and oh, they're going to fork out a to. bunch of money for those guys. And you know, it's going to be Lou Will's last year in his contract. Might as well try and trade him to get some kind of something, you know. So I definitely think that they'll look to trade him at some point just because of that. And, you know, they've still got Montrose Harrell coming off the bench who can score. I think Shaman's going to be a really good NBA player. Probably not Lou Will, but he's definitely somebody who can come off the bench and score. So I, I do think that they're going to move Lou Will. That's definitely something that I think that they'll do. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree. Um, like I said, there, there's no major roster moves that you can make. Um, you're not getting rid of Kawhi or Paul George. You're doing everything you can to keep those guys. And so it's going to be tweaks around the edges of the roster with, with stuff like that. But you ready to move to the, the Eastern Conference Finals? Let's go. All right. So game one, to, I'll let you go first. Game one kind of takeaways. First, great game. Great game. Fantastic game. Um, yeah, I, w- I mean, if we if, if every game is ninety percent of what that game was, then we're gonna we're we're in for a really fun series, which we we, we knew right. Well, these oh, two yeah. teams are, are are fun, and there's not a the the styles of play are interesting. The way that the Heat compete is interesting. Um, I think for me, what it was for the Heat that's going to be fun to watch this series, which has been happening throughout the playoffs and throughout the season. But the big question for them is who is the guy. Right, and I, I think w- the common uh, knowledge or, or way of thinking is that you have to have a guy, a top eight guy, to win an NBA Finals. You, you have to have one guy that you can turn to late in games that's going to get you a bucket. Traditionally, that guy is a good bit better than Jimmy Butler. Yeah, uh, but he's going to be the guy for them. And the thing is about him that that makes him. Maybe the only player who's not in that upper echelon that I trust in those situations. Like he's not afraid of anything. He's not afraid of the moment. He can get you those buckets when he needs to. They're all like that. Yeah, they are. And and he he's not going to be a guy that that averages thirty in a series. You know, I think he had what twenty last night. He had, he had twenty-two. Had, they had yeah. four guys who scored eighteen or more. Right, and that's what's going to be the thing for the Heat is they have a bunch of ways to 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 score points. Mm-hmm. And so if one guy isn't feeling it, they have other places that 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 can be picked up. Um, and so from the Heat point of view, you know, it's always a question with them of we haven't seen that style work really since, what, the Pistons, I guess? Yeah. It was the last time we saw it. Oh, 2004? Yeah, a team win without the guy. And so with each round, I've been wondering, okay, is this the round that they get caught? You know, is this the round that they get caught because they don't have that guy? And it doesn't look like this is going to be the round. You know, it looks like they're going to be able to figure it. You know, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to pick them to win, but I don't think that's going to be the sole reason that they don't, don't get this thing figured out. I agree. So, totally agree with with everything that, that you said. And after watching game one, great game. Both teams play defense. And they both play hard. They both got guys like Marcus Smart, who play hard defensively, and so does Jimmy Butler, and which is nice to watch after watching the Clippers play. And I think, you know, my takeaway is that I think the Celtics are clearly better after game one. You know, 
he'd have four guys who go get eight or more Tyler Heroes and assist away from a triple double. I don't know how much better they could play offensively. You know, they had a they had a quarter, I think it was the second quarter, where they were like seven of eight from three. And the Celtics are a good defensive team. Brad Stevens is a really good coach. And, you know, Kemba didn't play well for the first three quarters. Jalen Brown had 17 somehow. Didn't feel like he had 17. He just kind of floated, which usually has more of a more of an impact. They got several guys on the perimeter who can defend really well. And I just I think that the Celtics are a lot better just because I just feel like they have more room to improve throughout the series, whereas the Heat I don't think can play much better than what they did last night. No, that's a really good point. Is you know Boston and and especially you know Hayward is is the next factor here that could come back at some point and really provide a lot for Boston. The thing that I worry about is I think we've seen Boston not quite hit their ceiling a few times throughout the playoffs and throughout the season and definitely last year. Whereas we know the Heat are gonna you know their ceiling is not as high as Boston, but they're gonna hit that ceiling more frequently than Boston hits theirs, and so. It's just going to be this weird match of can Boston do it. And we've been talking about Kimba, you know, going back to last series, saying, okay, well, he didn't play particularly well. Like, he's going to have a game. He's going to get figured out. Maybe he's not. I think the style of play that he has, being a smaller guy, I think that just becomes a lot more difficult in the playoffs. And I think he hasn't had enough reps to figure out his way around that. And I think he'll probably be able to in time. But this is his first impactful playoff series he's had in his life. And so he's not used to – probably the defensive intensity and the attention that he's getting in these playoffs. And so he's had a lot of games where he's had bad shooting numbers. And I don't think that's just, un, you know, unlucky and just having games where he can't hit stuff. I think that's the way he's being defended. And that, that worries me that, Hey, maybe he's never going to get this thing figured out this season at least. And, you know, maybe he is going to be a guy that's, you know, shooting two for 10 through three quarters in most of these games. And if that's the case, Boston's going to be in a lot of trouble because he's a guy that they trust. And also just with Boston, I really didn't like their late in game stuff offensively. It was bad. It like, was bad. Yeah, they really turned into okay. We're just going to stand here and ISO and, and and give the ball to Kimba and not Jason Tatum, who's got thirty. Right, Kimba's going to ISO and, and then Tatum's going to ISO. And even when Tatum had the ball, like he was taking some five bad seconds. shots. Well, they they gave him the ball with with five seconds left to go. Like I mean, I don't know what you want him to do. Yeah, no, but he he's I think he settled a lot for for stuff when it's like man gets and we saw that he can get to the rim there, you know, and and that play by Bam, you know, that should have that should have been what we led off this segment with. One of the best blocks we've ever seen oh, in in the playoffs. It's crazy, and not the other. Uh, that's I, I have a beef with people on social media saying it's the you know being short sighted and instant reaction. That was the best block ever. No, LeBron James won a finals. Chase down block. block. Let's let's yeah. not forget that that <laughs> happened. Now was this block maybe like more aesthetically awesome? For, oh yeah, sure. Yeah. But it was game one of the Eastern. Like, let's calm down. Like it was yeah. a fantastic play. It's going to be a play that we're all going to remember watching. It got like we all yelled, and then it was complete silence in the room where we're just looking at each other like that was one of the most amazing things we've ever seen. Yes, um, <laughs> but yeah, so it's gonna be fun. I, I do worry about Kimba though moving forward. Yeah, I don't. I see what you're saying, but it's just he's not even hitting like open looks. You know, like he's coming off screens and he's wide open for three, and he just hadn't found it. He's shooting going into game one. He's shooting like 28 percent from three for the playoffs, and you know he's had some good looks. They're just not dropping. But I, I do see what you're saying though. Especially, they are giving him so much attention whenever he has the ball in his hands. I think that maybe they switch their offense up and they try to run through Tatum more, maybe let him kind of run the screen and roll a little more. I just don't know if that's Tatum's game, though. But, you know, I mean, at this point, you know, if you're playing in the NBA, you can run basic screen and roll basketball. So I just, 
I think that there's adjustments that they can make to fix that. Maybe make Jalen Brown more of a focal point offensively because he's, I don't know, he's not Kimba or Jason Tatum, but he can definitely score. And, you know, with Gordon Hayward coming back, I think that takes some more attention off Kimba. So maybe they, they figure something out, but that's, that's a really good point on Kimba. So we got about two minutes left. Who do you have winning the series? Everything I've said so far has been about how how much I like the Heat and the the worries that I have about Boston. But I'm still going to pick Boston. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, I have the luck of, of having seen the first game because I probably would have picked Boston in six. I'm not going to do that because I don't think that, you know, Boston's going to be able to win five, four of the next five in order to do that. So I'm going to say Boston in seven. Um, I do think they're the better team. I do think they have the higher ceiling and, and the most potential. And I think when you add Hayward back in that mix, you're really going to start to see, you know, some of the gap between just the, the base just the talent, talent level. level of, yeah. You know, not not the full roster. I think the Heat are deeper. But just those those top four guys, I don't think the Heat can really compete with that that talent. Yeah, having four guys who can go get you 20 any night is a luxury that only the Celtics have that are, that are left. And I've, I've got the Celtics in six. I just don't think they, they go to seven. I think, you know, Marcus Smart's going to have – more games like he did last night. I think Kimba will figure it out, especially when Hayward comes back. So get Boston in six. It's going to be a close six, though. Like, I don't see any games where a team wins by twenty. Oh yeah, I don't. I don't see there being any blowouts like we we saw in the last series with with the Clippers and the and the Nuggets, where there was just like like Game Seven was a blowout. I, like that's that's not going to happen. They're going all going to be tight the whole way through for the most part. Totally agree. So that's our first segment. When we come back, it's going to be a lot of NFL football. This is what I'm excited for because Colt and I have got some bets on the line. Make sure you don't go anywhere. Remember, you're listening to Overtime Takes here on KSWH LP 102.5 FM, The Pulse here in Arkadelphia. And we're back with Overtime Takes here on KSWH LP 102.5 FM, The Pulse here in Arkadelphia. Jonathan Smith, your host. Colt is here. What's up? Let's go. So we're moving into the NFL. This is where I'm excited. This is kind of the segment I've been looking for. So to start off, OBJ is apparently on the market. So I know you've got one spot that you feel like he could go. Let's let's hear it. Yeah, so when I was thinking about this, I was kind of thinking about, okay, well, who who needs receiver talent? Who's a team that is definitely willing, you know, this might not be their perception, but is definitely willing to take on guys with personalities if they think that they're going to help them win games. That's the New England Patriots. And, yeah. I would love, love to see OBJ go to New England. And we saw this last year where they're willing to take swings on guys. They signed Antonio Brown, uh, who is more of an off-field and just kind of a distraction than OBJ is. Uh, but they thought, hey, this guy has talent. We'll see. Let's we'll bring him in and see if we can make it work. And he played really well for them in the one game that he played, and then he had some other off-field stuff that, that had to be dealt with. But I can see him going to New England. They were He was tentatively linked to New England last time when he was in New York and he was looking for a trade-out. Uh, we're going to deep dive into social media stuff here, but he did have a shout-out for Cam about Cam playing well after week one. Uh, I would, I think New England would do it. They have the cap space. Um, you mm-hmm. know, We're talking about value with OBJ as a big contract. He, he's got four years left. Uh, he's sitting at you know, 14 million, 14.5, 13.7, 13.7 the next four years. Uh, New England has the cap space to be able to take that on and really not have you know much of a of an issue. They're going to be able to figure it. now this year. I know they're tight, but they'll be able to figure it out in in future years. Um, and they need the help at receiver, and so that's that's a a place that I could see making a move to go get to go get OBJ. Definitely, they were the first team on my list as well. 
You know, Nikhil Harry doesn't look like he's going to be a number one receiver. Cam needs weapons. You know, Edelman's kind of on his last legs. And, you know, like you said, they went after Antonio Brown last year. But vengeance as well. I think Bill Belichick kind of wants to stick it to Brady a little bit. And I think, like, going and getting Cam Newton a weapon and refusing to get Tom Brady weapons for years is just perfect. It's perfect. And they're also – it's a team that, that wants to win. You know, this is a team that wants to be well, and that's a definite hole in their team. And I think Cam – you know, showed us in week one. Now, the health question is always going to be there with him, but he showed us in week one that, hey, he's at least where he was at early 2018. Definitely, yeah. And he's dynamic, and he can run, he can move. Uh, It looked like he threw well. And so I think they wanted to see, hey, are we going to have a shot with this guy? And I think they believe that they do. And with Belichick, you always have a shot. And so they're definitely – I think they're going to make some moves at some point during the season because they want to compete. You know, they're not going to be a team that's going to be content to just sit back and – you know, be you know eight and eight or seven and nine. Like they're they're going to go get stuff, and so that's why I could see him landing there. Without a doubt. So I've got four more teams that I think could go get him. So next to my list is the San Francisco 49ers. They offered the New York Giants a. They offered the New York Giants more than Cleveland did when when OBJ originally went out. <clears throat> Giants said no because the 49ers are also in the the NFC and they didn't want to see OBJ after they traded him. So they're definitely a team that's willing to go get him. They need a receiver right now. They lost uh, Emmanuel Sanders last year. They got several injuries. They're definitely – Kyle Shanahan, I think, would love to have OBJ in his system. So they're definitely a team that, that could go get him. Philadelphia, I think, would be willing to go get him. They need they need a receiver. You know, Alshon Jeffrey's been there one these past few years. He's kind of older. They got a lot of injuries. Carson Wentz would love to have him, I'm sure. But I think they need to adjust their offensive line more than anything right now. This one's kind of a long shot. Green Bay. Would love to have him. Aaron Rodgers would love to have him. You know, I mean, the, the only big contract that they have would be Adams and Rodgers, which I'm not even sure what those look like, but I'm sure that they can make room for him. Could definitely see Green Bay trying to get him, possibly. And then the last one, the Las Vegas Raiders. John Gruden would love to get OBJ. You know, they, they lost uh, to Tyrell Williams, their number one receiver in training camp. So right now they're relying on rugs and I'm blanking on the other guy's name. Two 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 rookie receivers. I think the the Raiders would definitely make a move to go get him. Yeah, I mean all of those are, are interesting spots. Green Bay, not a chance. I think it'd be not great. A they drafted a quarterback in the first round. Do you think they well, care he, about giving Rodgers weapons? Well, no, he, they don't care the at all. Here's the thing. They hate Aaron Rodgers. That's that's the thing. Jordan loves their third-string quarterback, so I think there there may be a little oh crap going on. Like we need Rodgers to stick around just a little bit longer. Maybe maybe if we trade for OBJ, maybe he'll he'll stick around an extra two or three years to give Jordan Love time. I I don't know. I think with the and, and people are now saying after Rodgers had a great first week that, and I think this is ridiculous that the front office drafted Jordan Love because they knew that would make. Aaron Rodgers mad That's and that he, he would play well. Now I do think that has happened. I do think that he has played well because he is angry and, and Aaron Rodgers angry is a scary thing uh, but I think they drafted Jordan Love because they see this franchise moving in a different direction now that being said that could still be a reason to trade for OBJ because you when he comes in you want to have a guy that you trust you know a couple weapons for him to come in as a young guy uh, so maybe but yeah I don't think they, they're not going to do it because they want to give Aaron Rodgers a weapon because I, I think that team despises their quarterback which is <laughs> the most frustrating thing ever yeah for real but you know San Francisco I think is definitely a team in play for this just because Jimmy G you know is he's a good quarterback he's limited though I think getting him a guy like OBJ would be really good for them especially a guy who, who I mean I'm just trying to 
run through their roster. They don't have a guy who can really stretch the field like a guy like OBJ can. You know, because, I mean, you know, uh, Samuel's a great receiver. I don't really see him. He's more of a slant, cr- crossing route kind of guy. Kittle's great, but he doesn't really st- stretch the defense. So I think going and getting a guy who can run like OBJ can and can really stretch the defense with some some big play opportunity would be really good for their offense. Yeah, he would definitely be an intriguing add to that team for sure and add add a lot, you know, offensively and just I, I honestly it would help the run game a lot because you have to respect him in the way that you cover him where, you know, outside of Kittle, they don't really have a receiver that you're, you know, really truly scared of. You know, they have some good pieces and and guys that are good receivers, but nobody that that can kind of install fear into you. That being said, I don't know if OBJ does that right now. I think that if he has a couple good weeks, he'll he can and has the potential to remind people how good he is. Um, and so, yeah, I could see that being really fun if he goes to San Francisco. Well, the thing with that is he's got no disrespect to Baker Mayfield, but he's got Baker Mayfield thrown to him. He's had a different coach. You know, each of these last few years, the system isn't really in place. Uh, Stefanski, I believe, mm-hmm. is the is the name of the new head coach. He's more offensive minded, but he's more we're going to run the football kind of offensive minded. And so I just think that he's just not – he's just in a bad system. And that – and they've got so many guys to throw to. You know, Jarvis Landry, they've got like four tight ends who can play. Not that many, but they've just got so many weapons all over the field. He's just not getting the targets that he wants for one. And I don't think he's getting the targets that he needs for people to be like, yeah, this guy's – like we used to consider him like a top five receiver in football. So, I mean, I'd love to see him in San Francisco, selfishly, because we'll get more into that a little later. But – that in Philadelphia, too. I think Philadelphia would really – because Doug Peterson's a great head coach. Love Doug. Love him. And if they, they need one not just for this year but, like, for years to come as well. You know, like you said, he's still got four years left on his deal. So I, I Philadelphia or San Francisco would be my two favorite spots, selfishly, because I think both those teams are going to be good this year. And they both lost week one. So <laughs> Yeah, they need the help. And Philly especially, like you said, injuries have been a big problem for them last year and even this year you know they draft Jalen Rager out of TCU and he's had some injury stuff which is always worrying in a rookie receiver you know rookie receivers traditionally don't make a huge impact that first year it just takes time to learn the position and and learn spacing and all that kind of stuff and so if they want to have any real shot at competing this year which I think they they want to um, they're probably going to need a guy and or at least they're going to need a lot better injury luck than they've had so far and so yeah adding adding OBJ would be good um you know, I, I don't know what his presence like is in the locker room. It doesn't seem like there's been a big issue with him in Cleveland. You know, there's some off-field stuff. But it, people don't dislike him as a teammate. Agreed, yeah. Uh, which is important. And, and so I don't think he would be a big problem of a guy, you know, bringing into, your, bringing into your locker room or anything like that. Well, he's a guy who wants to win, and everybody likes a guy who wants to win, you know. And that's why he wanted to leave New York. He was tired of getting beat. And they're like, all right, you don't like winning? or You, <laughs> you want to win? We're going to send you to Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, tough, tough break for him on that one. So, three takeaways from week one. Are we just going to bounce back and forth, or do you want to mm-hmm. give all yeah, three? Yeah, all right. I'll, I'll, I'll let you go first here. So, my first takeaway from NFL week one is Russ is going to cuck. Yes, he is. So, if you've been following any kind of stuff this offseason, there's been a movement around Seattle of hashtag let Russ cook. And this is because in the past, Seattle has played a style of football that they act like they have a game manager at quarterback when they have the second-best player in the NFL. And it's really not until the fourth quarter that they let Russell Russell Wilson be Russell Wilson, and they do that because they're losing by 14 and they need him to make some plays and they let him go. 
And so there's been a big movement, and he's pushed this himself of like, hey, let me play a style of football that helps me be successful and helps the team be successful. And after week one, it looks like they're going <laughs> to let him do it. Like, they have to. I mean, like Chris Carson's a good back, but he's not Marshawn Lynch. Their defense is not as good as it is as it was in years past. You know, they added Jamal Adams and some guys like that, but they like he has to cook yeah. in order for them to be good. So throw some stats at you. In 2018, this is the, the pass percentage on first and second down. On first down, they passed 36% of the time. That was last in the league by about five percentage points. On second down, they passed 47% of the time, which was 31st in the league. And in, in, the first, in front of the Jaguars. Yeah, <laughs> and in, front of the, in the first quarter, they only passed 39% of the time, which is last in the league. Yeah. So in 2018, two years ago, basically they passed the least on first and second down of anyone in the NFL last year. 46% on first down, 53, 53% on second down. That's like 25th in the league. This year, in 2018, they passed on first down. Granted, small sample size, it's literally one game. One game. But, and by the way, it's 2020, not 2018. Oh, 2020. <laughs> Excuse me. That's what kind of year it's been. Uh, on first down, they passed 54% of the time. That's eighth in the league. And on second down, they passed 70% of the time. In the first quarter, they passed on 80% of their offensive plays, <laughs> which was second in the league. So if they're going to let him, and, and they're not, they're not going to hit those numbers every game, but if they allow him to open up the offense on early downs when you're not, you know, on third down, everyone's expecting you to pass, especially on third and long. But if you allow him to do it on first and second down and you allow him to make plays and be Russell Wilson for four quarters instead of just one quarter, he's going to go insane. And we saw that in the first game. And I would, as of now, I think I would have him for my NFL MVP. Definitely fair. Totally agree. You know, Russ Wilson's the only guy you could be like, I think he's the best quarterback in the league, and be like, you're wrong, but I can see where you're coming from, right? So he's a great player, and I hope they let, they let Russ cook because he's the second-best player in the NFL. And, you know, he makes plays with his legs, and he's just – he's so good. Like, he's – golly, I, I love watching him play. He's he's probably my favorite player to watch. It's, it's him or Mahomes. It's, it's got to be one of those two guys, but – yeah, so it, like you said, you, know, you got the numbers. They're definitely going to do that. So my first takeaway is the old-school Steelers are back. One of the best defenses in football. I think front four that can get after the passer, their front seven as a whole is really good. They got Minka Fitzpatrick on the back end. You know, you think of those old-school Steelers teams, you think of a team who can get after the passer, and Troy Polamalu, great safety, which I think Minka Fitzpatrick, you know, he's not Troy Polamalu yet, but he's going to be a really good safety. You know, we saw the jump that he made when he went from Miami to Pittsburgh last year. And Big Ben's going to be Big Ben. He's going to make a few big throws every game, and they're going to win because of that. And and I was listening to another guy yesterday, and he made this point like, you know, the Steelers are going to be the Steelers. They're really well ran, so they they always beat the teams like, you know, the Giants and teams like that. But can they beat the Ravens? Can they beat the Chiefs? And with the way that they get after the quarterback and how good their defense is, I think they're going to have a shot to beat teams like that. I don't know how they're going to be offensively like Big Ben – he looked good, didn't look great, but maybe, you know, that's just not playing in a year. You know, maybe as the rust kind of kicks off, we'll be like, okay, yeah, like this guy's good. Arm strength looked pretty solid, you know, despite him being 38 years old and him coming off the elbow surgery. So I think, you know, coming into the year, I had him going 10-6. and six. That looks to be, be right about on par. T.J. Watt for uh, Defensive Player of the Year because, I mean, he's really good. He was really good last year, and he's, yeah, so the old-school Steelers are back. Okay, so I have two questions for you. One, 
you're like 12 years old. So when you say old school Steelers, what, what do you mean? Are you, we talking 70s or are we talking your old school? Which like, is like my, my old school. 2000s. Like early 2000s Steelers. <laughs> with, yeah. <laughs> All right. No, I just want to just make sure. Uh, yeah, I didn't know if we were going like me and Joe Green out here. So, uh, yeah, I think they're definitely going to be really good. When you look at them, I think we kind of get lulled to sleep when we look at how they were last year. And, you know, they've teams that are always good tend to get boring. Because they're always, you know, nine and seven, ten and six, around there. We kind of forget. Well, last year they went eight and eight with Mason Rudolph playing quarterback, which speaks to how great of a coach Mike Tomlin is as well. Like he's one of our, one of the best coaches in football, but we never talk about him just because they're always good and they are kind of boring. Right, and that, and that's where I was going with that point is that you know you had a team that went eight and eight, and they're like, oh, you know, it's the Steelers, eight and eight. Duck Hodges was their quarterback for points of, <laughs> uh, points of last year, and so even if. You know, Roethlisberger, he's not going to be the guy that he used to be. But he doesn't have to be, I don't think. When you look at, you know, they they do have some decent talent offensively at skill positions. And like you said, their defense is going to be pretty interesting. And so even if, if Roethlisberger is 80% of what he was in years past, that's still going to be a huge upgrade over what they had at that position last year. Uh, and he said after the game, like, man, I, I came back because of this team, you know, and he wants to compete for this team. And I think having him and Tomlin as a coach, as you said, is one of, you know, the great coaches of of the 21st century. Like he would probably be what the third best coach of this century, somewhere in there, yeah. You know? and, and and so he's somebody that you really have to put a lot of faith in to get that team where it needs to be. And so yeah, I think they're going to be they're going to surprise people. And I think we've kind of been writing them off and overlooking them because of who else is in that division. Um, but they could definitely make some moves. Definitely. So well, give me your your second takeaway. So number two, Kansas City might have the best offense of all time. Yeah. And when I say that, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to have the stats or the numbers. You know, they're not, I'm not you know, forecasting that they're going to set all these kind of records. But when you look at the, the talent level that they have at every position on the field on offense, it is terrifying. Yeah. Where you have Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins. Well, you have week one Sammy Watkins, who's always great. We'll see what <laughs> weeks two through 16 of Sammy Watkins look like. But if he can keep up, you know, some of the level he had in week one, uh, and you also have guys beneath them like Hardman uh, and Robertson, and then, of course, the the big addition is who they have at running back in, in CEH. And I've been curious. Everybody's been talking him up. He's been a big fantasy guy that he was going in the first round. Everybody's talking about how good he was going to be. I was expecting this. I, I mean, he was incredible. And he got to a point where he had more yards after contact than any other running back had yards in week one, except for Derrick Henry. And so not only is he going to be a guy that's – and he's going to be dynamic in the passing game, and we didn't even see that in, in the first week, but just pounding the ball. And honestly, it was strange to watch Mahomes and be kind of bored and like, oh, he's not doing anything cool. And you look up, and he's like, oh, it's only 200-whatever yards. And they – crushed the Texans they did and so their ability to be balanced and their ability to attack you in all different kinds of ways is going to be terrifying because they didn't really have that last year they didn't have the running guy that they could go to and trust in those situations they have that now and they have the best play caller in the NFL and so I just don't see any way how this offense isn't at the end of the year aside from some catastrophic injuries we're saying hey this might be the best offense we've ever seen on a football field totally agree that's definitely possible no, they're really good. Offen- like they were really good offensively last year. They got better, which is terrifying to say. And like you said, they're they're deep everywhere. You know, they got Travis Kelsey, top two tight end in the league. Patrick Mahomes, best quarterback in the league. Andy Reid, 
maybe the best offensive mind in the league. Like, they're going to be so good. Andy Reid with his mask. Oh Drawing up plays on the sideline on his fogged-up <laughs> mask. Yeah, so uh, talking about the running game, in 2018 they had 23.8 uh, rushes per game. Last year they had 24. They had 34 rushes on, on Thursday night. And obviously that's probably going to go down as you play different teams. It's going to come back to the average. But when you're able to not run the ball more and not lose any of the dynamicness, I don't know if that's a word, of your offense <laughs> – that's an incredible thing where they can attack you however they want to attack you and they're going to slice you and destroy you and they're going to hang. Seeing, a, seeing 40 points on the scoreboard is not going to be an uncommon sight for the Kansas City Chiefs fans this year. Oh, totally agree. Totally agree. So my second takeaway is the Patriots will not make the playoffs. That's just kind of affirmed for me. They're going to have a losing record. They're going to go 6-10, and 7-9. And, and you're like, Jonathan, they played great. They did. But they played the Miami Dolphins. Okay? And... You know, I, I don't think they're explosive enough offensively. You know, we talked about them trading for OBJ. That would obviously change that. But offense isn't great. You know, they're going to run the ball a lot. Th- they'll be in a lot of games that they play just because they're, they're going to shorten the game. And their defense is good, but eight guys opted out defensively. Stephon Gilmore is really the only playmaker that didn't opt out. And, you know, like Belichick, great great coach. But, you know, I mean, they'll they'll beat the Jets twice. They won't. They won't beat Miami in Miami. You know, Bill Belichick is nine and eleven in Miami over his career as the Patriots head coach. Don't see him winning down there, and they're just not explosive enough offensively. So I just don't see them. I just don't see them having a winning record. Okay, well that leads great into to my third point, and we can discuss back and forth your second point, my third point, and that's New England's going to win the division. <laughs> They're not going to win their division. Originally, man. look, originally I had just like New England's going to make the playoffs, but it's boring. Nobody wants to hear that. So New England is going to win the division. <laughs> They're going to add talent. I think they're gonna. They're a team that's has a, a good potential to add talent, making trades um, throughout this season. And it's Bill Belichick. It is. And I think that, you know, we, we have written them off with, with good reason, right? Like you said, they lost a lot of guys on the defense. They lost the best quarterback of all time, who actually wasn't that good last year. That's okay. Um, <laughs> and I, I do think, honestly, even adding uh, Cam at quarterback, I do think they had an upgrade at that position. And I think the rest of the offense is about the same. Uh, and they were a really good team last year with – now I think they're better offensively. They're definitely more dynamic offensively. You have to watch out for Cam running, and we saw that in week one, and that's going to be a lot of fun. And so even if that defense takes a step back, which it, it will, defenses regress and they lost a lot of guys, I still think they're going to be good. I still think that division is pretty bad. The um, Bills looked good on Sunday, though. The Bills looked good. Josh Allen had his best game of his life, which maybe that's just a sign of improvement from him this year. Maybe that's a sign that that's going to be the best game he plays this season. True. And and we don't know yet. Uh, and we saw, you know, the old Josh Allen still there. We we saw that on that <laughs> attempted touchdown throw that he put 17 rows up into the stands. Yep. Uh, and so I, I just think when you look at the division, when you look at the fact that it's Bill Belichick, I'm going to take New England to win their division. Sean McDermott's a really good coach up in Buffalo, though. Great D- coach. Defensively, you know, he's probably the – he's like the Sean McVay slash Kyle Shanahan of young defensive coaches – Really innovative, really knows what he's doing. Then again, the personnel up there defensively is really good as well. Like I said, I think Miami's going to end up surprising people. I think they're going to be much better than what people think. I know we didn't see that in week one. Here, here's the thing. What, what did you say was Bill's record in Miami? 9-11. and 11. 
Losing record in Miami. Yeah, you know, which is you know why that's not going to happen this year? Why is it not going to happen? Because they had a quarterback year? that couldn't win in Miami, <laughs> and they don't have him anymore. He would go down there and it'd be hot and he couldn't handle it. They got Cam Newton now. He ain't afraid of no heat. He's usually he played in Florida in college. Like he's going to be about it, and they're going to win in Miami. Get out of okay. here with that. All right. <laughs> no, I think like, I mean, obviously this New England team is is so fun this year because you have no idea what they could be. And they could be a team that wins the division, and they could be a team that, that misses the playoffs. And I don't think either one would really shock people. Like, they have a wide range of stuff that could happen where everybody would kind of be okay with that. Um, I think one thing that is going to help that offense, adding Cam because I think he's better, but also if you don't have weapons on at receiver, at tight end, at running back, what type of quarterback do you want? A type that can make plays on his own. Yeah, and they have definitely. That now. They do. You know, other than probably what Kyler and Lamar and maybe Josh Allen, they, they have the fourth best guy that can make stuff happen on his own with how he moves. And he's a big guy. He can run in the red zone, which they need. Um, and we saw that and his, his willingness to do that. Uh, but, the, you know, the injury question is always there with Cam. And it so is. That, that could come back to bite him. Yeah, I don't think they run him. Uh, I don't think they run him about, you know, they ran him 15 times on Sunday. Don't know if they do that again. Um, but we'll see. I don't know. I'm definitely with you on that. They they could make the playoffs. I don't, just don't think they do. It's just tough for me. So my third takeaway is is going to be that. Sorry, I lost my notes. Rod, Aaron Rodgers is going to win the MVP this year. Simple as that. He's on a war path. He's really good. Um, he kind of started. He showed us in week one how good he can be. I don't. I mean, 364 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. Um, yeah, and I already know what you're going to say about the Vikings, so go ahead. All right, here's the thing. Aaron Rodgers played an amazing, amazing game on Sunday, and we saw that he was willing to uh, come out and, and be angry and play angry, and that paid off for Green Bay, and that's something that we thought was going to happen all off season, where he's going to come out and prove, hey, I'm still the guy, because he's had some down years, and, and if you look at some of the stats, you can't really debate that he's been down the last two years. And so seeing him come out and play well wasn't a really encouraging sign. And I do think that he has the potential to go off and win the MVP this year. However, with Minnesota, one thing that I was looking at, he had a great game against Minnesota. He, he showed us everything that we were wanting to see. The oldest corner for Minnesota is 24 years old. And the average age of the corners of Minnesota is 22 years old. And so you're playing against an incredibly, incredibly inexperienced secondary, uh, which is what he's going to feast on because he has the, the knowledge, he, he understands how defenses work from being so long in the league, and he's not going to face that kind of secondary every week. And so do I think he's a good pick to win the MVP? Yeah, like I, I, would, I'm, like I said earlier, I have Russell Wilson over him. But I do think we need to temper expectations after only one week of playing against a terrible defense. Uh, because I do think that offensively he doesn't – I mean, Devontae Adams is amazing. He's an incredible receiver. But outside of him, he doesn't have a lot of guys that really uh, pop out at you. And when you're playing against a secondary that's not, you know, all rookies, you're probably going to see some of those deficiencies come into play. Totally agree. And, you know, we we talked earlier in the week about different things. And so I went ahead and I was looking at Pro Football Focus – because they do really good stuff, and they rank different secondaries and stuff. So here's their schedule. So, so next week they're playing the Lions, who have the 14th best secondary in the NFL. 
Then the Saints, who have the sixth best. The Falcons, who have the 30th. Buccaneers with the 16th. Texans with the 25th. Vikings again. 49ers with the 10th. Jags with the 29th. Colts with the 26th. So on and so forth. They only have three games against the top 10 secondary in the league. And so because of that, I think he's going to have a big year. A lot of these teams are down in like the 20s. And, you know, I mean, you got the Lions twice, who aren't going to be very good. And then, you know, the Bears, not, not very good. So on and so forth. And I just think that the lack of talent that they're going to face against these teams in the secondary, I don't know if it's going to matter that much that, you know, he's because he's going to play against secondaries like this all year, it looks like, except for three weeks. Yeah, and like I said, like he definitely could show out and win the MVP. And honestly, I think it's a good call because I think all the, you know, everybody's focusing on Mahomes and, and, and Jackson with good reason. But I do think guys like Wilson, and because it's such a narrative award, the MVP, uh, and so him having a good season and coming back and, and showing everybody, hey, I'm still here, uh, yeah, he, that could be a, a good path for him to, to win the MVP. Totally agree. Totally agree. So that's going to do it here on Overtime Takes. We might continue this on the podcast. we we got to wrap it up here in the radio station, though. we got some people coming in behind us. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you want to hear more from us, we may. I don't know. It's kind of up to Colt. I don't know what he's doing. So we may add more onto the podcast later. If you want to check that out, it's called Overtime Takes. You can find that on Apple, Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. This has been Overtime Takes. Okay, we're back. Not on air this time doing it old school but like a podcast should be done <laughs> so we just got done with our takeaways for the season right mm-hmm. so so we've got a couple of bets going this year on some different teams having different outcomes throughout the year so i'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna i'm gonna make you go first i'm about to say i, I want to go first on this one okay j- just to upset some listeners <laughs> so if you've been listening to the podcast for the past little while, you know that I firmly believe that the Cowboys will go 8-8 eight and eight this year. And Colt just thinks that's ludicrous, but I don't know about I mean, it's... What, what, is, what, is your, what is your defense of this? Let's hear your argument, and then we'll talk about it. Okay. So, Cowboys went 8-8 eight and eight last year, correct? Yes. So, th- last year was also Dak's best year since his, his rookie year. He had, he had a really good year. Through for just under 5,000 yards, 99.7 passer rating, 30 touchdowns, 11 picks. I, I don't think he can play much better than that. I think that's that's his ceiling. And they won 8-8, eight and eight, and you can't tell me that personnel-wise they got better. And, yes, I know, but we got Mike McCarthy. Well, man, that offense looked great under Mike, Mike McCarthy on, on Sunday night, didn't it? Here, here's the thing. It's not about we got Mike McCarthy. It's about they got rid of Jason Garrett. That that's that's the argument is that hey this person who is like a robot it's you know those monkeys that you like wind up and just like bang the symbols that was that was the head coach of the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys all right and so he's not there anymore and so it's not necessarily that they got Mike McCarthy also did their offense look great not really they still if a, that pass interference isn't called I'm not saying they win the game because you don't know but there's a good chance. So then they could be one to know. Also, this was this one of the, the strangest offseason we've ever seen. It was harder for new coaches to implement their culture and their system than it's ever been before. And so these first couple of weeks, you might not see a lot of change from what it was last year. But as the season progresses and as McCarthy starts to figure out his personnel and as McCarthy starts to figure out his coaching staff, I think you're going to start to see more of an uptick on who this team can be. Totally agree. 
but their schedule's tough as well. I don't think, like, mm-hmm. I believe they have the second toughest schedule in the NFL. I believe that that's what it's ranked as. So they're probably going to beat the Falcons this next week, but with their defense being as bad as it is, it could be a shootout where Matt Ryan has a great game and maybe they lose. Like, I, I don't think the Falcons are a cakewalk. And they're not beating Seattle. I think I think you'd agree with me on that. Mm-hmm. So at best, they start one and two. Browns, they may beat them. Hey, look, you talk about you know coaches implementing implementing a new system and stuff. Like the Browns' defense is good. Maybe by week four, Stefanski kind of gets his offense in. Maybe they look a little bit better. Am I like, like I think you would agree. Like the Cowboys' defense is, gonna, is not going to be very good this year. And that, that's another thing. And like when you like even. And I think that there's really only one, maybe two teams in the league who can outscore people, and that's the Ravens and the Chiefs, and they have two of the best quarterbacks in the league. Here's the thing. If they go 8-8, eight and eight, do you have them winning the division? No. So who do you have winning the I division? I have the Eagles winning the division. I know they, they look bad on Sunday, and I will fully admit to that. But I think they have the best coach and the best quarterback in the division with Carson Wentz and, and, and Doug Peterson and those Usually, usually the team with the best quarterback and the best coach usually win their division. Okay. Do I think Carson Wentz has the potential to be better than Des Prescott? Yes. Do I think Carson Wentz is probably only going to play seven games this year? <laughs> also, yes. Es- especially if you know their offensive line doesn't improve. He got which, destroyed. It's totally, he got sacked eight times, which is unacceptable. But I mean, look, it is the Eagles, and the Eagles also have also have Dallas's number. You know, like when I look at you know da- the Cowboys. And the Eagles, like I feel like the Eagles got are going to be better this year, just because sure, like they're banged up right now, but you know they'll get healthy as the year goes on. And I don't think they can be nearly as banged up this year as they were last year. And the Eagles won the division last year, and I think they beat. I'm pretty sure they they beat the Cowboys both times they played them with practice squad wide receivers, you know. And so I just when I just look at the Cowboys from last year, I don't think they improved much, and I think that the Eagles are going to be better just because I don't think they're going to be as banged up. I just think so. Here, here's what I would say is the comparison. Obviously, this is not a great comparison. I'm not saying that the Cowboys are as good as this team, but just in the style of play, I think there's a comparison. When you look at the Chiefs two years ago, they had an, an electric offense and an atrocious defense, and they're a D Ford offsides away from probably winning the Super Bowl because they definitely would have beat New England if he's not offsides. And I think both of us would agree they're probably beating the Rams in, in that Super Bowl. More than likely, yeah. Either way, a Super Bowl berth. So we know that that style of play works. Now, that works if you have an absolutely obscene offense, which the Cowboys are going to have a good offense. They're not going to be the, the, the world-beater offense that the Chiefs were two years ago, I, I, I know. But I also don't think their defense is going to be as bad as the Chiefs' defense was two years ago. Like, that defense was terrible. And I, I think their their division is is just awful. I mean, we saw it from New York where Saquon could yeah, that's, get that's nothing two going. Wins. But then again, they also played the Steelers who are going to have maybe a top five defense in the league. Definitely one of the best front sevens we're going to see. Sure, and we talked about that earlier, but I just think when we look at that division, I think you have four wins that you just have no excuse not to win between the Giants and the football team. And then you have two with the Eagles that I think you you should be able to win. Like that Dallas should win those games when you look at the teams matched up on paper. And so that gets you to six. And so really you're only looking for four other wins or three wins, really, to get to 9-7, which is what you're thinking. But I just, man, I think they're going to be able to find three wins there. I just, I just, the Eagles have their number. Like, the Eagles just seem to always beat the Cowboys. So I don't, maybe they split. I think that's the best case scenario. Because, and winning, obviously no fans this year, but winning in Philadelphia is not easy. 
playing in Dallas, I think, is easier because you're in a dome, and Carson Wentz, like, every quarterback wants to play in a dome, right? And I think that the Redskins, excuse me, it's just such a bad habit. The football team has proved that they're not an easy out because they, they can get after the quarterback, and Dallas's offensive line didn't look fantastic Sunday night. Then again, they are playing against a pretty good defensive line with Aaron Donald and guys like that, but... I just I don't know. Like I, I, you keep saying the football team is not an easy out because of what we saw on Sunday. Maybe the Eagles are just that bad. Maybe that offensive line is that bad where they're well, just going to run rough shot. Oh. Ron Ron Rivera is also a really good coach. Right, like, I agree. So I mean that would make Mike McCarthy the third best coach in that division. Just saying, but I, I just I don't I just don't like they they didn't get any better. Their schedule got tougher. I just don't see how they go better than eight and eight. So. John and I set the line for for this little wager between us at nine and seven. So if they do better than nine and seven, then I win. If they do worse than nine and seven, John wins. If they go nine and seven, even we push. Yes. So we'll we'll see at the end of this year where we're at. Uh, do you have anything else on the Cowboys you want to say before we move on to to my take? Not really. You, you I, mentioned earlier I think you I'm might good. have had an offensive stat that you looked up that I don't I don't know if we we talked about that or not. I think it was just – I don't think that uh, – I think it was all the, the Dak stuff. Okay. That and just – they're playing against really good teams week in and week out. That's and fair. I think, that's like, their, their schedule is just tough, and that's why I don't think they go better than 8-8. Eight eight. They got a really bad draw on who all they're having to play. So this leads into to my bold prediction, and, and this is kind of going to take two forms. I'm going to say what my prediction is, and I also have a little wrinkle of this that John hasn't heard before. That. <laughs> so last year, one of the things that I was on all of last year is that I didn't love the 49ers, and I liked them at the beginning of the year because I thought people were underrating them at the beginning of the year. As the season went on, I think I thought people got too high on them. And so this year, my my take, which I think is, is a hot take for John, I think uh, more people... This probably isn't that hot of a take, but I don't think the 49ers are winning that division. And I don't think I'm bold enough to say they're going to miss the playoffs, but I wouldn't be absolutely shocked if they did miss the playoffs. And and here's why. So in, since 2000, so I did some research on since 2000, teams that lost the Super Bowl, what they did the next year, on average, they have 3.25 more losses than the year before. Uh, they that still puts them at ten at like ten, ten and six. Okay, they they miss the playoffs fifty percent of the time the year after you lose the Super Bowl. Only one team has made it back to the Super Bowl, and that was the Patriots because of course it was the Patriots. <laughs> and teams that did better the next year, so either better record wise or better as in you know they might have a worse regular season record, but they went further in the playoffs or like won the Super Bowl. All of the teams that did better the next year had an absolutely elite level quarterback, which the 49ers do not have. Yeah, I but think they lost. Some, Jimmy G's still very good. They, yeah, I'd agree. He's not elite. They lost some talent on the defensive line, and, they and lost I think one guy, and who, they were eight deep, who was incredibly impactful for them. And Joey Bosa should be even better this year because it's his second year. But yeah, carry on. They've had receivers get hurt. Also with the defeat with Joey Bosa, it's not Joey Bosa either. Excuse it's me, Nick Bosa. Nick, Nick Bosa. With Nick Bosa, we don't see defensive linemen take a huge jump in the second year in the same way that we see in a lot of other positions like quarterbacks and receivers and corners. Because the technical side of defensive end, these guys are coming in a lot more polished than those other positions, and it's more about athleticism. So Nick Bosa had an incredible year, but also fresh, uh, in their rookie year, so did Joey Bosa. Um, it's looking like Chase Young is going to have that kind of year. We saw that with Miles Garrett, where you didn't have this huge jump in the second year. So I don't think you can just pencil in Nick Bosa for, for being even better than he was last year. This but he's year. still really good. He's incredible. He's incredible. But I, I think they lost there. They, they had receivers that have been hurt. 
It just came out that Richard Sermon is going to miss weeks uh, with an injury that he got put on IR. And so I think there's going to be some some attrition with this with the San Francisco team. And also, I, I think that Seattle is going to be an awesome team. Like I, I think Russell Wilson's going to MV, win the MVP. I think they're going to take a big jump up and win the division. Now, here's the wrinkle to this that I haven't told you. I think the 2020 San Francisco 49ers are the 2019 Los Angeles Rams. You think they're going to be that bad? Here's why. So, but then again, we say that bad, but the Rams did go nine and seven last year. I'm gonna I'm gonna take you through the history of of the Rams. In 2017, it was the first year with McVay and Goff. All right, before that, they didn't have they they had a different coach or the same quarterback, but different coach. In that first year with McVay and Goff, they went 11 and five, and they won the NFC West. And everyone was shocked because they had this huge turnaround. They were a terrible team. They came out of nowhere, and people were like, man, this team is is special. This is a type of offense we've never seen before. This is this offensive wonder kid as a head coach. Like, he's completely changing football. The next year, they do even better. They go 13-3, they win the NFC West, and they lose the Super Bowl. Hmm. That brings us to the last year. In the third year together, teams kind of figured out the mediocre quarterback. Jared Goff is a mediocre to good quarterback. They started to figure out what he does well and what doesn't well well, and they started to be able to take that away after seeing the offensive system for two years and being able to adapt to the changes that, that McVay had, had made. Uh, that new fancy scheme lost its shine. A new team within the division kind of found its potential in the 49ers last year, and that led to them going 9-7 and seven and missing the playoffs. So let's go through the, the 49ers and where we're at. In their first year together with Jimmy and Shanahan. Now, it was only half of a year, but Jimmy went undefeated. They came in. Everybody was like, this is the most incredible thing. Like, he's going undefeated. This is going to be awesome to watch. That was in 2017. I'm, I'm, I'm racing 2018 because Garoppolo tore his ACL. He missed the full season. Yeah, so, so we're, that's we're checking fair. that out. Yeah. So we're saying their second year together was last year. Well, what did they do in their second year together? 13-3. 13-3. Won the NFC. Won the division. Lost the Super Bowl, just like the Rams did in their second year together. Yeah. Which leads us to our third year. The teams are going to start to figure out this mediocre quarterback, and that's what he is. He's a mediocre quarterback. And no one was saying Jared Goff was a mediocre quarterback until he was because we thought Agreed. he was something special. But I also think Jimmy G's better than Jared Goff. But I, I, I see where you're coming from, though. This makes a lot of sense. I yes. think we're going to see him get exposed. They're going to figure out this fancy new scheme that Shanahan had that no one had seen before, this running game we hadn't seen before. Uh, and they're going to start to figure out ways to attack that because they've had about a year and a half, two years of film on it to figure out what they want to do to, to go after that. And there's a new team in the division that's going to find its potential this year in the Seattle Seahawks, and that's going to lead to San Francisco 49ers not winning the division and taking a big step back. The Rams and the 49ers are the exact same team. They're just a year apart. So I think that there's a few differences. I think as a whole – that Rams team was really about throwing the football. Like, that's what they did. Like, they threw the ball a bunch. They they ran the ball with, with, with Todd Gurley a bit, too. Yeah, I think you're forgetting that they yeah. had what we Todd, thought was the best running back in the NFL for two years. Yeah, but at the same time, I think that San Francisco's offense is even more run-dependent. Mm-hmm. You know, they I mean, they ran the ball 60% of the time last year, right, which is obviously a really important part of Jimmy G and what they did in terms of, like, running play action and things like that. But I also think that the 49ers' defense as a whole is much better than, than those Rams teams' defenses were. The, and plus, you know, the defensive coordinator for the 49ers, I'm terrible with the coordinator names, so I don't know his name. It's Salah. But he's arguably the best defensive coordinator in football. Sure, and who were we saying was the best defensive coordinator in football two years ago? Wade Phillips was in that conversation. Who was there with the Rams? I guess, maybe. But then again, I think that, like I was saying, as a whole, 49ers' defense I think is better I think, you know, you're right on the receiver thing. They are hurt right now, and, you know, I think they need to make the trade for OBJ to have 
an opportunity. I still think they win the division. I think they're going to go 12 and 4 somewhere around there. Cuz they're I mean trying to think how to word this and i'll tell you too there's a there's a history of top flight defenses taking a step back after they have a really really good year now that's just just part of it. because it's they're at the to top ma- yeah it's, you're at the top it's hard to maintain that but i think they could still have a very they're still they're going to have a very good defense i'm not questioning that but i do think it's going to take a step back from where they're last year and we're seeing other teams in that division that they used to be able to write off like the team they lost to in like week the cardinals one. yeah you can't write those off anymore and I think LA is probably going to take a step back. I think you agree with me on that. The Rams are going to be better than than what I think a lot of people are, are expecting them oh, to be. Oh, totally agree. And so that is a really, I mean, it's the hardest division in football. Agreed, yeah. And I think you have another team in Seattle that is going to be really good and has the best quarterback in the division. Yeah, no which question. I think that I think that wouldn't surprise me at all if the 49ers beat the Seahawks twice, just simply because of how bad the Seahawks defensive line is. I think that the 49ers are going to be able to they're going to be able to push him around. It's going to be a shootout because, you know, it is Russell Wilson and he's a great quarterback. But I Here, think here's the thing. We talk about San Francisco and they were amazing last year. I don't want to take away from them. Seattle was like a yard away from winning the division last year. They were. If they if they get that play, they win the division. Dre Greenlaw. Seattle yeah. has gotten better since last year in the sense of if they let Russell Wilson play okay, like yeah. and let him play. Okay, Personnel-wise, their defense is, I mean, they've got Jamal Adams and Wagner. Who Jamal Adams balled out in week one. He did. He played really well. But outside of those two guys, it reminds me a lot of the Rams' defense. Right? Well, who, who did they lose? That you think that their defense is going to? I be... just think like their their defensive line as a whole, because like I think you would agree, like that's where it starts, right? Like you have to win in in the trenches, and they have arguably the worst defensive line in football. Okay, here's here's the thing. I would argue that the San Francisco or the the Seattle defense added an elite player. They did Jamal Adams. Totally agree, and they lost. Injadavian Clowney, a guy who their has, only pass rusher has the reputation of being this great player, but if you look at his production, it really wasn't there last year. Oh, totally. There's agree. a reason they let him go. So I think their defense is going to be better this year than it was last year. I think their offense, we talked about this earlier with what they're letting Russell Wilson much do, better. If they continue to do that. They're going to be much better on offense. Yeah. I think San Francisco is going to take a step back defensively because that's natural and because they've had guys hurt and they lost somebody on the defensive line. And they've had injuries on on the receiving core. And Seattle was a yard away last year from beating them from the division. And so if Seattle's getting better, and we're saying San Francisco's going to take a step back, How? what's the roadmap for San Francisco just, winning this division? I don't, just don't know if they do take a step back. That's the thing. Like, I, I think they're going to be just as good as they were last year. I, I mean, just we'll, we'll see. They're good. We'll see. So now we're going to play over-under. And we should have done this before the season started, but I think it's even harder after week one because – your mind jumps to extremes with all these teams and so so the way we're going to do this is so we're each going to have three locks for teams uh, over under in, in terms of wins right so we have three locks if you get those three three locks correct they're worth two points everything every other every other pick is worth one if you miss a pick that's not a lock you don't lose any points if you miss a lock you lose a point Right, so you have to be very careful of these ones you lock in. Like, yes, you have the potential to get more points, but if you mess up, it's going to be it's going it, there's going to be a penalty for that. So, we're going to I just we're just going to start at the top in terms of teams that are going to be really good. And and one thing I'll say, and I'll, I'll I'll explain this when I get to that pick. But I had some locks that I feel two that I feel really really good about. Another one that I was like, you know what, I, I don't want to be boring. I want to try to stretch a little bit with one of these. So one of my locks is a little bit of a stretch, but I mean, obviously I still feel good about it. I wouldn't have picked it. But. I feel great on all three of my locks. All right, es- es- especially the first one. And also, I'll say too, you know, John and I, John and I talked last night about doing these and, and kind of what our picks were going to be. And 
uh, I sketched through it and just kind of did like my gut reactions of what I thought the over unders yeah, were going to be. And I have like 20 overs. Oh, yeah. I've got <laughs> and, and the math doesn't work that way. So I had to go back and be like, man, there's some of these teams that I actually like for the over, but I have to put, the, I feel like I have to put them under because I needed to get, I feel like I needed to get that balance. But yeah. Well, and I think, you know, we'll find, we'll come to this conclusion that it's like these teams that are like predicted to win between seven and nine games. It's th- those are the tough to ones to pick. Right. So we'll start at the top. So Kansas City Chiefs are predicted to win eleven and a half. I'm I'm over. I'm going the over too. I mean, I probably would have picked the over before the season started, but when you saw how just dominant they were, that offense is ridiculous, and and there doesn't appear to be any like, oh, we won the Super Bowl, so we're chilling. Like they seem to be working hard all off season. Mahomes is working hard all off season. They had to. They didn't have anything else to do. They and couldn't go party. They came out and and balled out. So yeah, I'm taking the over on them too. Uh, Ravens. At eleven and a half as well, I'm go over. Wouldn't be surprised if they went sixteen and zero. Honestly, I would be surprised if they went sixteen. It's so hard to go sixteen. It is. Plus, they so have a big good. game in two Monday nights where they're playing Kansas City, and, and I think that might be a barrier to them getting to sixteen and zero. Maybe, yeah. So we're, we're both going over there. That's not hard. Uh, San Francisco 49ers, ten and a half. I'm going to take the over. Under. <laughs> Pound the under. You don't think they win ten games? Ten games is the under, bro. <laughs> okay. They, oh. they can win ten games and still be under. The you don't think you don't think they, they win eleven games? No, I don't. I think they can win ten games, come second in that division, and Seattle wins. Uh, well, we'll get to Seattle here in just a second. But the one eleven, uh, New Orleans Saints ten and a half. I so I said over, but Michael Thomas is going to miss some time. Yeah, that hurts. I'm so I'm so going to take the over. They looked really good on Sunday. Yeah, I'm going to take the over. I made this pick before the Michael Thomas news. I didn't feel right changing it. You know, it's yeah, like same. hey, we, we made these picks and, and injuries are going to happen. You can't just keep changing them because of injuries. So. Yeah, I'll stick the over to you, but yeah, the Michael Thomas thing does hurt. That being said, they, they had some of the other weapons that looked good. On, Emmanuel on Sanders is that pickup becomes huge now. Yeah, they, they had some others that showed up that, that looked like they were gonna be fun. So yeah, I feel pretty good about the over there too. So Cowboys are just ten. I've got the under. That is my first lock. No way that they win ten games. I wish this was any number but ten. I wanna push so bad. Because like I think they're gonna I think yeah. they're gonna win ten so games. So if if they push, do, do I lose a point? How are we doing that? Um Wait, is this your lock? Yeah, this is one of my locks. Then yeah, if they push you, lock you. you okay, sounds sounds good. So I'm not gonna take the push because even if I get it right, like I'm not gonna get. Well, I guess I get a point there if I took the push. Okay, I'm taking the push. Yeah, give me really? That. Yeah, you think you six. think they win ten exactly? I think they win ten on on the money. Okay. Um, Tampa Bay next at nine and a half. I'm taking the over. I think that that offense is too good. Brady's gonna figure it out. Defense is really good. I told you before the year started, they're gonna have a really good defense, and it looked pretty good on Sunday. I am out on the Bucks, and that's a Brady thing. And I love Brady, but he is 43 years old. And we saw the signs of it last year with him losing a little bit. And I'd say on Sunday, like he – I don't think it was an arm strength thing. Like I think he still had some throws where he was able to kind of rip it in there pretty well. But, you know, Brady is, is by no means a system quarterback, but he has been in a similar situation for the last 20 years. And – the systems have changed a ton around him. The personnel has changed. Like he definitely has the ability to adapt, but he lost that common language that he's used to having. He lost these connections with his receivers and tight ends that he was used to having. And so I do think at the end of the season, they're going to be a team you don't want to play. I just think it's going to take them a little while to get there. And in the process of that, I think they're going to lose some games, which is why I'm going to take the under. Okay. So next we got the Seahawks on and a half over. That's not hard. This is my first lock. Yeah, like, that's a good I lock. I'm locking that at, at night. Like I would, I would take the over at ten and a half. Yeah, and, and I just think I they're going to be that, that good. And so yeah, nine and a half is easy. That's a lock. For yeah, me. that's that one's not hard. Um, Colts at nine and a half. I took the under here. 
I did too. And honestly, if I had done this before week one, I may have taken the over. Oh, I would have, without a doubt. I had them. Seen, I had them winning. I had them winning their division before the year started. Seen and they still could at nine and seven. That's how bad that division is. Yeah, they definitely still could. But seeing what that looked like against the Jags, like I just, I have to take the under. They just threw the ball away too many times. Um, Eagles at nine and a half. I'd taken the over. Under. You don't think they get to ten? Oh, no. that's right, because you think the Cowboys are going to be special, but yeah. they're not. So I'm, I'm I, I think, think they, I think they go nine and seven. Like I wouldn't, like yeah, I'm not, I'm not taking a big under. And the thing I'm is, like they it, could win their division at nine and seven. That's they could. The crazy thing, right? They could. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking the over. Um, Pittsburgh Steelers nine and a half. Give me the over. I'm taking the over on that too. I think they're going to be good, and, and seeing them on Monday, like they look like Ben is not all the way back, but he's he's definitely he's, an upgrade he's formidable. over what they had last year. And they went 8-8 eight eight last year. And so, That's right. you know, I feel like you have to take the over here. He's definitely worth two games over oh, Doug yeah. Hodges and Mason Rudolph. No doubt. Next, we have the Buffalo Bills at 9. I'm taking the over. I think they're going to be 11-5, somewhere around there. Yeah, I kind of have to take the under here. I don't really want to, but one of my stances earlier in the show was that I think New England's going to win the division. <laughs> and so I'm kind of backing myself into a corner here where it's like, look, if I think New England's going to win the division, I don't think they're going to do that at 11 and 5. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of have to take the Bills under here. And really, that's everything about the Bills I love. I love their coach. I love kind of their culture and their defense. This is solely just saying I don't think Josh Allen is the guy. And that's kind of the, the pick for the reason for going under. So next we have the Minnesota Vikings at nine. Originally last night I put them in over. This is before I did all my research, so I'm gonna flip that to under. I don't think they win nine games. I saw you had the over last night, and I was kind of confused by that. Uh, no, I, I had the under as well. Um, that that division is is gonna be interesting. Um, I think what we saw Sunday is definitely gonna change people's minds. I, I mean, I saw a lot of people picking the Lions in that division, which I did not understand pf pro football focus is big on their offense i think their offense is going to be good i just think they have a terrible coach agreed (laughs) that's right i totally agree uh next new england patriots at nine i've got them the under kind of have to say that because of my stance earlier in the same way like i have to take the over like if i'm gonna if if i'm gonna say they're gonna win the division i I think they have to at least get to 10 and 6 they're gonna win their division with a losing record (laughs) possible Uh, next, we got the Green Bay Packers. This is my next lock, eight and a half. Give me the over, and lock it in. Okay, so we agree on this one too. Yeah, I'm I'm taking a lock on that. They could definitely go. I mean, I could see them being an eleven and five type yeah, team. Same, um, especially because I think they can get wins over people in that division, as they showed uh, to to start the year. And so, yeah, I think Rodgers. You know, you have him as your MVP. I can see why. I think he's going to come and uh, absolutely light the world on fire this year. So next, we got the Browns and. At eight and a half, I've got them going under. This is one of the ones where, like, I wanted to take the over because I do think that they're going to be a winning football team. But at the same time, it's like it's the Browns, and I've already got like twenty teams at the over, so I'm taking the under just kind of for math's sake. Yeah, I'm I'm going on the under on that. I just don't. I want them to be good, man. I want them to be fun. I think the NFL would be more fun if they were good, but I just don't see the path for it. Totally, yeah, totally agree. Next, we got the Los Angeles Rams. I'm taking the over. Because just because Sean McVay's worst year is nine and seven, and like I think they're going to be better this year, and so I feel like I kind of have to take the over there. Yeah, I'm taking the over too. Any of those teams in that division, the thing that worries me is that because everyone in the division is so good, you know, say the Cardinals, if they lose all their division games, right, they could finish the season at seven and nine and be a 10 win type team just because that division is so tough and so totally agree yeah uh, i mean i'm taking the over on the rams as well um but you know i i, I the, the division that i wish they were in any other division 
Oh, yeah. Uh, Titans next, eight and a half. I'm going to take the over. I think, you know, they're nine, maybe ten wins, but I just think that, you know, they play such a unique style, especially for now teams that teams don't really line up and run the football like they do. So they're just different, and they're in a bad division, so I, I like the over. Yeah, the division thing is this is the opposite of the Rams thing, where I'm taking the over because of the division, because I think how bad I think it is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you. I'm taking the over on the Titans. So next, we've got the Bears at eight. I'm taking the under. under. I don't. They're playing Trubisky. I don't That's know how. All, we even can stop right there. Somehow, we can stop at Trubisky. That's he all played really now. well in the fourth quarter on Sunday, though. Sure, and he was atrocious up until that point. Yes, he was. <laughs> uh, next, the Chargers at eight. I'm going to take the under. Under. Just because I just they're the they're the Chargers. I just don't trust them. Like they they got a good roster. Tyrod Taylor's not the answer. They just can't play Herbert yet. Just because I, I don't know why. Like, I, I'd have thrown Herbert out there week one. but I think they want to be competitive, and they know they can't really be competitive with Herbert. And so I think what's going to happen is they're going to get a few weeks into the season, realize they can't be competitive with Tyrod Taylor either, put Herbert in. And they might actually take a step down when he comes in. Just, you know, rookie guy, He we know he's got some work to do to kind of figure it out. And so I think they're going to give get to a place where they realize, hey, we're not making the playoffs, put Herbert in, and they might even lose more games. So I have the under on the Chargers as well. So next we got the Cardinals at seven and a half. I've got I've got them down as over. Me too. Let's go. Like, let's let's. I'm gonna stick with it. Like they're eight and eight. I don't think they get to nine just because their division is so tough. Mm-hmm. I think if they go over, we'll be right at eight wins. But they looked really good on Sunday, and they got a huge win to to start. And you yeah. know Kyler Murray looks like he's gonna take a little step up in his second year. Uh, I think Cliff Kingsbury is a very good coach, and I think he's just gonna get better as he starts to figure stuff out. So yeah, I really like. Really like it, and the defense looked, you know, better than than we than they looked last year for sure. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. Well, they had Isaiah Simmons, who's, you know, his quote on himself is so great. It's you know, if you sign me, you get fifty six guys on your roster, not fifty three. <laughs> so uh, next, we got the Falcons at seven and a half. I'm taking the under just because I think the Saints and the Buccaneers are going to be good. I think that's four losses right there, and yeah, so under there. See, I feel like I have overrated the Falcons every year since they lost the Super Bowl. Where I'm like, oh yeah, I just you know they should be good. It's Matt Ryan and Tulio Jones. You know, I trust that offense, and and every year they're just disappointed. And so I actually have overwritten on my thing, but I, I think I'm I think I'm gonna bail and take the under <laughs> because I just can't I can't do it anymore with the Falcons. I can't sit here and defend them again for another year and hope that they're good for them to not reach their potential. So I'm, I'm at three years late. I'm getting off the bandwagon and I'm taking the under <laughs> on the Falcons. So next we got the Broncos at seven and a half. I almost locked this one. Get it, Drew Lock. And um, yeah, I'm I'm taking the over. I think that they're at a minimum they're a 500 football team. Yeah, I'm taking the over too. I was I was surprised that this number was as low as it was because if you listen to a lot of the conversation around the Broncos before the season, people were talking about them like they could be a nine and seven, ten and six type team. And I was out on that. I don't think they're going to be that type of team. But I do think they can go eight and eight. Like I do think they they have the potential to do that, and especially after seeing Drew Lock on uh, Monday Sunday night Monday, M- Monday, Monday night, night Monday night he he played pretty well, you know, and it looks and good. I think it's going to take a little time for him to get everything worked out, but that and they didn't they were missing two of their better receivers. Yeah, they he can, still looked pretty good. They can get to five hundred. Next, we got the Texans at seven and a half. I've got them down as over. I'm really tempted to flip it because it's just. You won't. You won't. I'll flip it. Hey. Let's, go, let's go under for for Houston for me. I just they didn't look. Then again, they played the Chiefs. I think they're really gonna miss Hopkins. But then again, Deshaun Watson is really good. But at the same time, it's like 
I just I'm, I'm gonna go under. I don't like their coach either. Deshaun Watson is getting to eight wins. I'm taking the over. <laughs> I think Bill O'Brien is a good coach. He is a probably pretty good offensive coach. He's an atrocious GM. He should not be in charge of personnel. But I think the the testament of how good of he is as a coach is that he's won that division with him as a GM. Like that's how <laughs> that's how good of a coach he is that he put that handicap on himself and is still won the division in a lot of years. And so yeah, I think they get to eight wins. I don't think they're scary. I don't think they're a good team. But like we said, they play in a bad division, and I think there's going to be a lot of split games in that division. And so I think they win at least four division games, and then it's just searching for four more. And I think they are going to be able to find those. So next we got the Las Vegas Raiders at seven and a half. I'm taking the under. I just don't think they're going to be very good. I am taking the under as well. Uh, I don't really think Carolina is going to be that good, and they barely scraped out a win against Carolina on Sunday. And yeah, they, you know they have a nice new stadium, and you're in Vegas, and I think it's going to be a bad bad start to that yep. adventure. So next we got the Lions at seven. I'm taking the under. Matt Patricia is just a bad head coach. Bad. He yeah. I, I would say. He has the potential to be first coach fired this year. Oh, uh, without a doubt. Well, him, Gase. Adam Gase is making a push for that. Yeah, see, I would agree <laughs> with you, but I I would have thought Adam Gase would have gotten fired like two years ago and he's still there. So I don't know if he has some like some some photos or something on the New owner. GM. Like I don't know what's happening to keep him in the, in oh, the place, yeah. <laughs> but he must have some blackmail or something if he's still yeah. there. Uh, New York Giants likes a six and a half under. Under. I don't even want to talk about them. They're terrible. Agreed. How, how many locks do you have left? I have one. Okay, same. So next we got the New York Jets at six and a half under. This is my this is my last lock. <laughs> this is my last lock. They they may not win four games. Like they're terrible. They're so bad. They're so bad. And I have the under. I wasn't bold enough to lock it just because uh, I don't honestly don't know why I should. But I just yeah I'm with you. They're they're bad. Next we've got the Miami Dolphins at six. I'm taking the over. I just think that when you look at their development down the stretch last year, I think they're better this year, especially defensively. So I, I like them for the over. Plus the four wins? No, two wins against the Jets. I think that they, they beat New England once. And then I don't know when they play Buffalo, but if they catch Buffalo late in the year down in Miami, that's such a difference in terms of climate. And playing in Miami later in the year when it kind of gets hot, it's not easy. So I, I think that you know, they could possibly split, split with the Bills. And Brian Flores is just a really good coach. So I, I like him for the over. Yeah, so here's the thing with the Dolphins is that last year we were making 0-16 jokes about the Dolphins before the season, and a lot of people genuinely thought they might only win one game. Like, we had a lot of people circling that uh, Dolphins-Bengals game to be like, who's going to be the one team with one win? They won five games. and I think All down the stretch. All down the stretch. Brian Flores is a really good coach. He had a year to kind of get his system in place. Um, and, and so I am taking the over as well, and I'm going to do one better. That's my last lock, is I'm going to lock the Dolphins really? over six and a Give half. Give me a high five on that one, man. I think, you know, especially because Fitzpatrick is not going to be the quarterback for the whole season. It's going to be Tua. And I think when Tua gets in there, he isn't going to be great. Rookie guys, it usually takes a little while. But he's going to be better than Fitzpatrick. And I think that they have some weapons on at receiver. Devontae Parker last year really came on. He's he he he, he tweaked his hamstring this last week, so we don't know if he's going to play these these next couple of weeks. But they got some guys who can really play. Um, Gasicki out of Penn State, tight end looks he looked pretty good last week defensively. Man, their secondary is very good. So yeah, that's that's a good lock. Yeah, uh, that that's that's my last lock. So Panthers at five and a half. I'm going to take the over. I think I like Matt Rule. Teddy Bridgewater is a good NFL quarterback. The only concern for me, obviously, is their defense. 
they sat, they drafted seven defensive players in this last year's draft. First team to ever use every single draft pick on 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 defense. And I just maybe I've just been listening to Colin Coward too much. That's probably what it is. But he he's confident that they're going to ruin some team seasons. So yeah, I, I'm I'll give me the over. So I had the over originally written down, and as I was going through and, and checking my overs and unders, I realized that I just had too many overs. And so these were one. This was one of my cuts to to make them an under. And I do like Matt Rule a lot, and they they looked, you know, like they weren't completely dead on Sunday. And you can't really count out McCaffrey, but the problem is, the defense will be good in a few years, but young defenses are usually bad defenses agreed and so even though they have all these draft picks and they invested all this in it i don't think that's going to show up this year and i think offensively outside of mccaffrey they really don't have anything and and bridgewater is you know good not great he's fine and what he works best as is kind of a game manager type deal but he has no game to manage like they're going to have to be in shootouts and coming back from games and that's not his game and so i think they're gonna they're gonna struggle i do think that the future is bright there. Uh, I like what they're doing for the most part, but no, nah, this year I'm, I'm taking the under on Carolina. Next, we got the Cincinnati Bengals at five and a half. I'm taking the under, even though they, they didn't look bad Sunday. But I think if you can't beat the Chargers, then who, who can you beat? <laughs> I'm taking the over, and I'm having Joe Burrow as my rookie of the year or the offensive rookie of the year. Easy. I think Easy. That he looked better than I've seen a lot of off quarter, rookie quarterbacks look in their first game, especially in the situation that he went into, where he came in, and, and during those last couple drives, man, when he's driving down the field, he was cool as could be. Like, had no fear in his eyes as he was driving down, and honestly, should have drove him down to tie the game, if a weird thing doesn't happen with their kicker. And so, I think if that doesn't happen, I think we're talking about him and this team a lot differently than a lot of people are, and I think A.J. Green came back and played well, so he's got you know, a really good guy to yeah. go to. Uh, he's got a really good running back there with him. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm going to take the over on, on the Bengals. I, think, I wow. think they get their first win on this Thursday against the Browns. So next we got the Washington football team at five. I'm going to take the over. They really impressed me on Sunday. Look, eight sacks is a bizarre number, and maybe it is the Eagles' defensive line's that bad, but at the same time, When's the last time you saw a defense get eight sacks in a game? I think that you know they'll beat some teams just because of how well they're going to be able to, to pressure the quarterback. Yeah, um, I really struggled with this one. I really did. I, I wanted to take the under because I, I just – everything about that franchise is they're losers. But I like Ron Rivera, and I like what I saw, and so I really don't know what to do. Uh, you could take the push at five. Is it five even? It's five I'm not going to do that. It's boring. Uh, I'll take the over. I'll, Thank you. I'll, I'll be bold. Yes. I'll take the over. Let's go. We're, we're on the Ron Rivera train. And then finally, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are already a fifth of the way there. Mm-hmm. They're they're over. They're four and a half. I'm taking the under. I don't care. I don't care how good Minshew looked. Gardner Minshew had one incompletion. Yeah, he did. He had three touchdowns against the Colts. But yeah, who who, who actually have a pretty to good win defense? The division. You're right. It's one game. Give me the over. Give me the over. Minshew mania. I'm in. I, I like. I'm all in on that guy. I, he's an incredibly accurate passer. Um, I do think that that team's still not going to be great, but I think everybody's written them off, and I don't think you can just write that team off. They're going to fight. I think Minshew 
just as his attitude and personality is going to get guys to play for him. Uh, and I think they're going to be fun. And so I'm, I'm having them as, as my over. It's fair. So this last segment is a testament to the radio show that I did last year called Jock Talk. Like I mentioned earlier, Colt came on all the time. And we'd end every show with a with a hot take from Colt. doesn't have to be sports-related. It can be whatever Colt wants. And so I thought that I knew what he was going to talk about. But he came in this morning. He's like, I changed it. I got something new for you. So I don't know what he's going to talk about. But I'm, I'm excited to hear it. So <laughs> take it away. Yeah, cha- I changed what I was going to do. And, and here's the thing. So I one of the things about me is I really like to bake. And, you know, I'm good at baking food that tastes good. But I'm not good at baking food that looks great. And one of the biggest pet peeves I have in baking and one of the enemies I think I have to baking is that if you, I, I think when you have your seventh birthday, when you turn seven, sprinkles are outlawed from there on out for your life. <laughs> no longer are you allowed to have any kind of sprinkles on your food if you were older than seven years old. Sprinkles are the worst thing to happen to baking. Not even on like ice cream? No, get it out. Because, okay, here's the thing. When was the last time you ate a sprinkle and went, oh, that wasn't terrible? No, it's atrocious. Every time you eat it, you're like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. This is just this dry sugar type they don't look cool they don't they look childish no one ever looks at sprinkles and was like oh that makes them more aesthetically please no get them out everybody they they taste terrible they look terrible you look like a child and they're for children and so after seven years old you're no longer allowed to eat sprinkles or have sprinkles on anything and i'm sick of it and i never want to see them again okay so i had a question and then it just kind of slipped my mind oh so when you're a kid, when you when you get married and you have kids, 100% going to play that for them. Oh, yes. Go for it. No, we will not have sprinkles in my house. I can promise you that. We're going to throw them out. of every And every time people bring sprinkles, like we did a, a cupcake decorating thing at the BCM last year, and everybody was like, oh, I want to put sprinkles in your cupcakes. Da, da, da. No, no one wants to eat that. That's terrible. You, anytime anyone puts sprinkles on their ice cream or something, I think of less of them as a person. Are are sprinkles the equivalent to like a five-year-old coloring like outside the lines just like drawing all over the paper i don't i didn't didn't even have an an analogy for for how upset this makes me when i see sprinkles on things like you're you're being childish and you think you're being like interesting but oh it's sprinkles they're fun no no you you look you look like a child and you look like someone who cares nothing about their food and it's annoying oh my gosh that's great that's that's a good one i'm glad you went with that one that one's really good Especially because, like, your other one your other one was good. I like that one more, though. Yeah. yeah, That was funny. That was good. Oh, man. Okay. I think that's all. That's, that's it for today's show. I think that's all we got. Good good week one of football and good good week of basketball. Uh, it's going to be fun with conference finals coming up and, and the football season starting. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it is. College football, real college football, <clears throat> the SEC, is right around the corner, not far away, I think. It's not this weekend, but next, because mm-hmm. the the twenty sixth is when they're starting. So oh, we're ten we're Arkansas days. fans, buckle up. Yeah, no nah, man, we're we're gonna beat Georgia week one. <laughs> not a chance. Yeah, we're we're gonna hang forty on Kirby Smart and his defense. Not really. Yeah, we're probably we may win one game if if we're lucky, but we'll see. But all right, that's gonna do it here. As always, thank you guys for listening. Uh, follow us or follow me on Twitter. Colt doesn't have a Twitter, which is really weird. Uh, follow at OT Takes on Twitter if you want updates during games and things like that. Make sure you, you subscribe to the podcast. Follow Colt on Instagram. I don't know your Instagram handle, so I'll let you drop that. It's at Colt Booth. No, no dots, no, no underscores. No, I got in early, bro. Just C O L T B O O T H. Early adopter of Instagram back when I was a freshman in high school at 15 years old. <laughs> awesome. So, once again, thank you guys for listening. This has been Overtime Takes.